0: Thank you, Peter John Bottessi. I am so happy to be able to actually talk to you. We haven't actually had a chat for years and uh, you're one of my favorite guys of all time. (laughs) And so it's just so much fun to be able to talk to you and especially in your beautiful living room or lounge or whatever it is, because it's very beautiful.
1: Yeah, well, this is, um, I'm living in um, 17th century transplanted West Sussex bomb transplanted in
0: 1920. It would be really great for you to help people understand how a nine-year-old kid could have the balls to go on stage and be a, you know, pretty much a gigging musician at that point, uh, How how you could have the self-confidence to uh be in a a major big band in Scotland, how you could have the self confidence as a teenager to to uh take your band and tour america uh you know all of these things. what gave you that self confidence apart from a lot of practice and knowing that right. your skill level was great well, I do uh, well um
1: when I make analysis of this and it's um it's the idea or that I think that surrounds uh free will and um and choice uh wh- when i went up to a piano when i was 4 it was 4 when i uh, you know and in- instead of going i i the very first thing i think i played it, it, my fingers fell on the a c triad of course no, as as it might do the fix was in from there on in richard so i often say of course, i didn't I... make a choice uh, to be a musician it was Prior to the ability to reason, I think it was pre the age of reason and pre, certainly, uh, choice, I was already doing it because getting up and playing was, call it second nature, but it It was my... To play, and um, but there was an early formative experience that I've uh, that I've talked about and I've shared with my eldest brother who's still alive. He's twenty years older than me. He was a saxophone player too, like my father. In fact, on my um, my wedding certificate, you know, you um, you have to state your father's occupation, and um, uh, I put on my uh, wedding uh, certificate exactly what my father had put on his passport, which I still have, which is saxophone player and fish fryer and so so I, this is this is the way I I, I grew up and I, there was an early formative experience that I shared with my eldest brother um, when my eldest brother was in my dad's big band he was in the section and my brother was a really good reader but not a good improviser and um, So when my father, the only way he knew about the, you know, the idea of, you know, throwing in at the deep end was, as you know, Richard, from that, from that epoch, it would be right, stand up and take a chorus in the section, you know, you stand up and it's that brutal thing, you know, can you cut it? Yes. Uh, And um, my brother couldn't. And, but, but my father loved him loved him very much. Now, 20 years down the, the line, and my father, I'm playing with the dad, my dad's band, and he's going, right, take a chorus. And I'm going, my dad loves me. Okay. I mean, who knows what it's like to be me, but I can, never mind anybody else. But right. but I think I can explain me as, I always describe myself, the identity on a hierarchical basis, as the first thing that comes up is musician.
0: You've brought up a lot of interesting points there. I mean, there are different types of human beings. Some human beings are very good writers, and when they they sit down, they can take their time and write a beautiful, brilliant book or a piece of music or whatever, but they're not very good at speaking extemporaneously. It's just a character trait. It doesn't mean that they don't have the same thoughts. I mean, what is music? What is writing? What is sculpture? It's a way of expressing some inner truth that, that we all share. And so you had the, the type of thing where you could kind of cover all the bases, you could, you could speak extemporaneously, you could play the crap out of the piano, because <laughs> your thinking, the way your mind works, was that music is not just dots on a page and not just a static thing but a constant ev- evolving system of how you communicate how you communicate and you could communicate the same thing if you took your time and sat down and wrote something and and or if you sat down and played something because you you have that incredible facility but some people don't you know and 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 that doesn't it's just a different mindset and uh what, what is interesting about you, you know, you you're very uh, self-effacingly say, you know, I don't, I don't really want to talk about me, but let's talk about me. The truth is, you know, like my people who listen to my thing, this Radio Richard thing, most of them are really thinking people. I mean, my, my uh, tagline for my show is, ideas make you better and i think you are the prime example of ideas make you better your life your your art your music you know you're a, you're a guy who's always had a thousand ideas at the ready you know whether it's in the middle of a solo or making a record or producing an artist you're a guy who's full of ideas and they have made you better and, and i think the people who listen to this these interviews they want to know how they can bring that into their life. And I think this is a great opportunity for them.
1: Right. Um, thank you very much, Richard, for these, um, these very kind words. Um, I, I do wish um, I was fully deserving of, uh, of these. But most recently, um, I, I've, been, I've been applying my mind to the idea of extended cognition anyway. Um, let me ask you a question. Good. I've tried on a number of occasions um, to fully appreciate this idea of extended cognition. And um, if one goes along with uh, it goes along with, uh, you know, because there are many, many branches of of this. um, I think Thomas Nagel says it best about, uh, you know, in every in every uh, branch or module of uh, almost every module of of philosophy, there's there's this. dualism of appearance and reality. Um, so, in extended cognition, I was thinking about it because Pat Matheny was answering, a, a, I thought, really brilliantly about the idea of the division between melody, harmony and rhythm. And um, he, Pat Matheny, was saying, you can learn harmony, you can learn rhythm, uh, but you can't learn, uh, according to Pat, what, uh, you know, what constituted a great melody. It's, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, interval leaps or, you know, any kind of chromaticism or whole tone, nothing that you can, uh, you know, that there's um, something deontological about about melody, whereas there might be about harmony. So, there's another aspect that of course under these circumstances that it can't be uh, nuanced which is the integration of these things with within our minds and out with so here's what i thought Richard about this and why my question's going to be posed to you in my mind if i if i try to think of it i'm not sure i'm hearing hearing harmony not sure by which i mean individuated um I'm, I'm hearing all of it, but not necessarily individuated, unless, of course, I make a distinct uh, a, a, and a cognitive, uh, a cognitive leap to identify that single thing, that you know, that line in a, in a in a fugue, or uh, you know, or second or third voice, and identify that. Do you think is my question? You're capable of going from mind to paper um uh without access to a keyboard or guitar or any of those things. Do right. you think right. you're hearing hearing harmony or does it only appear when you put it on the paper? In other words, is writing is the expression of music, especially harmony, an extended form of cognition out there that can only be expressed either by writing, you know, when first polyphony showed up, what's that? A thousand right. Uh, yeah. or, or, or when I express it on a piano. Do you think you hear harmony, Richard?
0: Yes, and, and, but I must also say that I believe that the existence of harmony, rhythm, and melody as three separate but interconnected elements of music is, a, is an illusion. It's yes. not actually true. So therefore, I have never thought of it as that, and I I have to go back to you know you were very influenced by growing up with a father who was a musician and you heard music all the time in your in your house. Well, I did too. You know, my my dad Tony Romano was a guitarist and a and a singer and a vocal arranger, and uh, he used to sit usually when he was at home, he would sit at home and be improvising literally four or five hundred different standard tunes and writing his own tunes, but reharmonizing all the time. Yeah. And, I mean, and as a little boy, I'd say, Daddy, what did you do? What's that? Because I, I was fascinated by the sound. To, to grow up, as I'm sure you did with musicians playing in the house, I had Joe Venuti playing in my living room with my dad, you know. You can't not listen to that and you can't not love it and want to do it. But I, I, my dad always explained it to me, is that it's all singing, everything everyone does, all music is singing. And so it, it, the, the, the idea that there's some difference between having four lines going at the same time or 10 or one, it's not, it, and I do believe, I actually wrote a book about it and, and wrote, have a radio series about it, called what is melody and uh, a lot I asked a lot of musicians to try to explain what melody is in fact there's a there's a new one uh, by Jeremy Lubbock which is well worth hearing anything he says uh, and and the truth is that melody is everything for me and I and I I've discussed this with Pat and and he I think he would agree you are always singing when you're playing the piano if i turn, if i asked you Play something happy right now. You could play it instantly. If I said play something that's quizzical, you could. Play, you know, whatever word I choose, you would do it. It's the, it's thought, it's expression, and it's communication. And you have a phenomenally um, sophisticated mind, and you're going to just have to face that at your age there's no way around it yeah you know and 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 i have had to face in my life you know certain people are just not going to understand what i say uh you know very recently i i I wrote an answer to somebody that i thought was amusing and they took offense at it because a lot of times people don't don't get me, or don't. I, I, maybe I don't express myself well, but but uh, you know, it's just life. It's just the way you are, and it's okay to be an individual. And in order to learn it, we have to break it down to rhythm and and melody and harmony and and this and that and polymetrics and all that stuff. But it's all one thing, which is saying, "I love you, Peter Vitesi <laughs> You know, oh, that's, yeah. all it is. That, that's all it is. That's all it is.
1: I think at that point, Richard, and um, is, uh, I'm hugely in agreement with you there because um, after a lifetime of music, it mostly boils down to the love. Uh, I love you, Richard. And because and it, um, there's a modern uh, philosopher, Harry Frankfurt. It's uh, what we care about uh, is yeah. the, the concept, and you know, so that's the what you become interested in. And if I had been faced with a choice, in, in all likelihood. Um, uh, in all likelihood under the circumstances, I would have chosen to be a musician, Mm. but but I, I didn't have a choice. It, the expression is love, but you said a lot of the time when, you you know, calling Wittgenstein, you know, uh, whether uh, the people don't understand, is it the language or the expression or what you mean by the expression? And there's an awful lot, you know, when you say, one when one says you're a sophisticated thinker or being, and oftentimes, you know, these sophisticated, if, if they are sophisticated at all, arguments or thoughts or ways of presenting uh, things... Can be easily misconstrued as either pretension or some kind of elitism, intellectual elitism. Yes. Uh, and and where I think you and I are similar in this regard, I don't think I have this elitist idea uh, them and us concept. In fact, you mentioned uh, I think it was uh, Jeremy Lubbock. Is it one of you? Lubbock,
0: lives? yes, Jeremy Lubbock.
1: Well, I was. I, I watched. I watched that a little bit of that, and I listened to. It, and I, at one point, you got onto. I think. I think I'm referring to the right thing about um, the, the the them and us about um, society and the dumbing down and the whole.
0: Yes. You know. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, well, here's here are my thoughts, uh, Richard. And um, uh, uh, when you got onto the subject, it does seem to draw a line. Uh, it, it, you know, somewhere it draws a line. I think it's an interesting line. I think the borders of this or the uh, are, are very fuzzy. But here's what I think. I have never, ever, ever thought that um, that that music has to be understood in order to to be understood as the thing that it's supposed to be. In yes. other words, from an aesthetic standpoint, I don't think and I think it's a shame to um, not a shame. It's disastrous. Um, I think, um, to think that, you know, the people who listen to music as opposed to hear music, the, the idea has, o- over the last, what's this, since commercial music has, has been a thing, since the charts started. 1900,
0: something like that.
1: Yeah, um, Al Martino or something. And um, the idea would be, you have to make it for the people because they won't understand it. Exactly. Now, what 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 do I expect them to understand? Because um, th- that I personally can love a, a range, such a range of things, Richard. Some of which I will never understand. I went to see um, Asai Twombly, a Twombly, an artist that I like very much, at the um, uh, graphic um, at the Tate Modern, and it was the kind of hand daubing type thing. And I go, I love that. I don't, I don't understand it. And then there was an explanation, uh, you know, in, 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 on the wall, in, beside the painting, explaining what it was. And I'm just going, I hate. The, I hate the explanation. I love the thing, the concept that I have to explain the magic, or the magic, so-called magic of music, has to be understandable or explainable in order to love or appreciate. Yes, and, yes. I don't go along with that uh, as
0: a thing. No, no, neither do I. But but I think you've also raised another interesting point here. Music for the people, uh, as you called it, commercial music. There's always been this thing which I fought throughout my life, the idea that in order for music to be commercial, it has to be dumb. Yeah. It has to be unsophisticated and very simple. This is just <laughs> such obvious horse crap. And, a- and, and, a- and the the history of popular music proves it wrong again and again and again. There's nothing unsophisticated about the Carpenters and they sold billions of records. There's nothing unsophisticated about the Beatles, really. Uh, yeah. And they said, I mean, it's just a nonsense. It's a complete nonsense. Cole Porter sold billions of records and it was very sophisticated. So this is just a horse crap concept uh, perpetrated by by and r guys who haven't got uh any understanding of music, so they want it to be down at their level, you know, it's the Bob Dylan thing of they want to get you down in the hole that they're in. So that that's just not true, but it's the the art, for instance, Bert Bacharach had the art of creating something highly sophisticated and complex, and yet, and yet, and here's where melody comes in, and yet it appealed across the board to everyone because melodically it was not dumb but it was beautiful and it was strong and what makes it beautiful the fact that there, his intervallic choices and and jeremy lubbock said to me in the interview all music is choices everything is choices and that's the beautiful thing about your choices are going to be different from mine and mine are going to be different from Uh, Iggy Pop, you know, but there's still choices. And that's what makes us that gives us drama, because there's a drama in making a choice. So I think that's kind of an answer to what you were talking about. I agree in in
1: large part uh, uh, about this Richard but the logic of it has always been suspect which is and I've listened to Richard I'm sure you've heard this a trillion times I have and it comes accompanied in my in my experience with a with an epithet that I find quite objectionable I'll get to it it usually goes like this it's good because it's simple So then you can start to uh, construct an argument goes uh, that would be going um, then it's good because it's complex and um, I that's not a thing Uh, that's not a great argument. I don't think. No, it's good and it's simple in formal logic, it would it would go uh, if P then Q P therefore Q. So if, if if it's simple it's good. It's simple, therefore it's good. And that's, that's, you know, for
0: the... Right, that's, that's where the fallacy lies. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it always has been. But here's another thing that I wanted to bring up. If you're talking to 10 people, and those 10 people are children of seven years old, they are not going to have, depending on your subject, they're not going to have the ability to understand what you say, certainly what you say because you're an intellectual cat, uh, but, but uh, they're not going to have quite the ability to understand you as a group of Oxford Dons. Now, the, the, if you look at what has happened socially and politically over the last, let's say 40 years, maybe 50 years, there there has been a decline in the level of education of the public who are listening to the popular use music that you and i make so in other words uh, their ability to appreciate x will be different than it was for instance a group of people in the 1960s to appreciate x a group of people today and and not only that I think people of our generation you're five years younger than me but nevertheless you are of my sort of generation where you were really fascinated by there was lots of types of different music going on there was it didn't matter that oh yeah this is a rock thing this is a kind of a jazz thing we loved it all this is Indian music so we loved it all and we were interested in it all today the 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 width of of uh, listening for the average person not musicians but music lovers or even people who who sort of like music and listen to it on on the radio i've told this story before and i'll just tell it briefly again i i talked to a kid who had headphones on who was who was doing some work in uh, on his house and i said to him he was about 17 and i said to him you know what are you listening to and he said oh it's music and I said, "Okay, well, you know, what artist are you listening to?" He says, "No, it's not an artist. It's music. It's not art." I, and I said, "So I said, no, but I mean, what what musician are you listening to now?" He said, "I don't know." <laughs> and, and 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 I said, "Well," who? he says, "I just I just have this playlist. It's sort of it's kind of indie rock, whatever it is, alt rock. I I put it on, and it plays me music, and I like it." Yeah. But he didn't have, I said, aren't you interested in who's making the music, not really, no, not I've that. got it, I just pressed this button here. So that's the world we live in now, and that's who we are sort of making music for a lot, if we're in popular music rather than jazz. So, so that, you know, it's one thing to express yourself well, but how can you express yourself well when the other person speaks only Latvian? That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, of course, um,
1: um, you go to seek out uh, fellow Latvians. Um, <laughs> I, 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 every Friday. It's interesting, Richard, that um, that, that you say this. There's so many topics to cover here. It's, there are. There, there are too many, and uh, I, you know, I'm going to, I, of course, have to truncate um so many things or or miss out some detail. But um, every Friday, I go to to exercise with a, a lady in 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 fetchum near near this place and she she put on um whatever it is we're going to listen to whilst we're pumping iron and uh i'll, I'll play a little bit richard and I Go ahead. Um, but she was playing uh, something that uh, that I was the author of um. okay. walking on Now, I came up with that riff. Uh, when Annie Lennox played it to me, it was kind of sounded like Louie Louie. Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, I, want, I don't want to do that. I want to do some kind of neoclassical thing. I don't know why. And yeah. um, I just started to play this riff. Okay. Fast forward thirty years, and uh, she's playing uh, Annie Lennox's diva on the uh, on the background music, and I'm pumping iron. I'm just going, oh, yes. this is this is me, you know, as as you do. Yeah. I, I did that, and um, she's got oh, really? And uh, great. Now she is, I should, maybe shouldn't say, but she's uh, you know approaching sixty years of age, and she's nice. very fit, a splendid lady, yeah. um, and she acknowledged that the following week um she was going now what do you want to listen to and i said oh give us a bit of um uh i don't know foreigner and um you know to, you know something to be pumping iron to so she put on inside information which uh, was another album yes track. Track. but she didn't know and i said um do you know any of the any of the musicians uh in in any of these tunes like you know annie lennox or foreigner or any, do you know it? Do you, do you account for any any of those people? No, no, I don't, I don't know any. No, I don't, do you? I said, well, you're talking to one, but you haven't even remembered that last week I told you I played walking on broken glass, but it, it's not a thing anymore. It's just not a thing. No. And and I I think that's either, that's either extraordinarily good uh, as a thing which means that uh the the this is maybe just a little bit liberalism as denial but it's either extraordinarily good where they're only measuring the pleasure that the music brings them without factoring in whoever it was but this this goes back to my question for you about i personally believe polyphony and harmony especially is a feedback loop um, i'm a big fan of douglas uh, hofstadter um, uh, the, he's a concert piano player and philosopher, and um, it, I think it's a very closed feedback loop between inside my inside me, my mind, my the uh, emergent properties of you know a substratum of brain and so on, but uh, mind and then extended mind out into the world via harmony expressed. In my case, uh, and everybody's different, Richard, I accept that, but in my case, it's expressed harmonically as uh, there's an instrument that I've spent a lifetime uh, in close proximity. It's symbiotic, it's, it's a wonderful adjunct to my existence that I can't imagine a life uh, without. But imagine my feelings, Richard, as, the, as the, the ages changed. I used to be able to go into a music shop in Guildford, Anderton's, and play a little bit, and people would gather round. Either as a either to ask, well, what was that handy tasty little lick, or what's that tune, or something like that. So hmm. there will usually be some kind of notion of gathering around a human yes. musical form. Yes. I they hate me going in there now because the, if I go into the keyboard department and there's ten younger people there and I play, they'll scatter yeah. uh, uh, as fast as possible.
0: They're losing money. Uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, yeah so they hate me going in there because the kids don't they are not fascinated by uh by any of this it just all appears to be
0: showing off or pretentious or rubbish or shy yeah. or you know whatever uh, they want i'll, to I'll tell you what that is pete and it's an interesting thing i i make a big thing in my teaching about the importance of listening actively rather than passively sure and yeah, I... and this is What's happened over the years, it was it was always a a thing to be considering, but now it's really a thing that I notice because I work with a lot of young musicians. They when they listen to music, their only thought is, how can I be doing something like that, and and, and actually I wish that guy would stop doing it so I can get over to the keyboard to do it myself, they're only interested and or they're also thinking that's out of my realm of understanding so therefore get that out of the way, so I can get back to this thing that I that I know already and and that's a shame and I, I make this point that people don't listen actively anymore. I was just doing a lecture recently where I said, if you're listening to music and you're going, that's not enough, it's just not enough. What I want you to be doing is listening to music like this. Uh-huh. Right, you know, when I listen to music, I, I wait for that magic moment, which doesn't happen too often, and I wish it to happen more often, where I hear something, I don't know what the hell that was. Then I think, oh, that's interesting. I don't know what that is. I can't identify. Because you know, you and I are the kinds of musicians, when when we hear music, I can see it written on the page. I can, I can, I can imagine the score. And I can, you know, because that's what that's what I do. And so so when I hear something, I don't, what the hell was that voicing he just played? Or what is this rhythm? I don't even, is that seven over five? What the hell's going on here? I'm interested. I want to know what it is. And then I whip out the pen and I start trying to write it down. But people don't do that often.
1: I think so. And uh, yes, that's right. Well, what you're talking, uh, I think one thing you're talking about, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, is the uh, uh, intrigue and mystery and and, and beauty. Well, these are aesthetic uh, things and uh, values that would draw you in. It's not necessarily that you're calling that particular uh, attribute of musical endeavour, you know, uh, funny time or or odd voicing per se, the thing that is the good thing, it's one of the things that draws you in, it's something that makes your heart sore. Yes. I got the opportunity, uh, Richard, as I'm, I'm sure uh, you've had many, many times, I was thinking about the unbelievable good fortune that uh, our generation uh, have had about the extension uh, from before, when I started playing, I was having to make analysis of Nelson Riddle and you know my dad would be playing our Billy Mays thing or or even, um, you know, Artie um, Shaw. And right. uh, you know, I'd listen to him dad's going, right, get this together and hurry up. I would listen to those things. And then of course the Beatles and, and rock and roll and this, that, and the other. And then, but th- there was one phenomenal moment that, that is purely accidental. Richard, but it's very early on, there was a flexi disc in a magazine that I'd bought and it was Herbie Hancock uh, demonstrating a Binson echo rake. Nice. And and Herbie's playing and I go, oh my God, Uh, the world changed. Then the world changed for me. And then a friend said, "Uh, have this. I think it was either I Sing the Body Electric or Black Market. And I had a record player, but only this one record. And I kept putting it on, didn't like it much. Kept putting on though, and then I think it must have been black market. Right, uh, weather report, and um, and that was very uh, quite early on uh, as well. And uh, uh, and I've had the opportunities as as you've had, uh, Richard. I was able to express just the thing. This is where we started. This is where we came in. I was able to express, and of course, it's very difficult under the circumstances. Um, without being a bit creepy, but I got the chance to tell Herbie, thank goodness, Herbie, thank you so much so great so wonderful I have so much love I feel the love it thank you so much and amazingly I went to see Zawinil not long before he died and um down at Ronnie Scott's, and and um with the syndicate and my, my friend and I were sitting at a table it was a. remember down the you know when it used to be the little bar downstairs it's no longer there I don't think yes and um there was the bar downstairs and there was a vacant chair next to me. And um this is before the gig. And amazingly, Joe Zavano came and sat next to me. Fabulous. Uh, and 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 you know, I was able to now these are expressions of love. Love about what? And here's my point, Richard. The the way I would admire you and have admired you. Is, is quite the opposite from to... Oh, no, I read a little thing that Steve Lipson, who produced Annie Lennox, brilliant yes. guy, and he was he was talking about when... Uh, it Was it Slave to the Rhythm that you did? Yes. Uh, and he talked about it, and you're saying, of course, Richard Niles came in, and of course, he overwrote. Yes. This is the two sides of this the, the dilemma here, because the reason I love you uh, and uh, is that you are willing to be sincere about and and authentic about your expression of what it is for you to love. Uh, and and you put it out there. Now of course, for some people, um, for some people, that's all too much. and it needs edited back, And it needs, in some way, made appropriate to the the context that they themselves are imposing upon the the people, you know, so that's not the music. So the reason, remember I said to you, uh, Richard, in my email to you about, uh, you know, my research proposal, which is the sound of music is not the music. And uh, it's a sort of post-Kantian idea of phenomena and noumena, you know, the experience of, let's say, uh, intuited, represented internally, um, uh, predicated on, you know, what's that stuff out there? Unknowable, amorphous, agglomerate, you know, and um, all of this is imposed. In Kant, uh, in in Immanuel Kant, it's it's, it's spatial and temporal uh, aspects were imposed upon upon the universe anyway but what i loved about and when i got you in, uh, richard when i was producing things and there was a, a number of fantastic moments richard and you you can't fully appreciate them because you're doing them so you're going I, you know i just did it what, you know what's the biggie yeah and um, and um so there was a few moments and i was remember i was recounting one which is one of the great moments in the studio richard of my life that that when you wrote an arrangement for um it was i was working with peter cox of um, yes what a fool uh, believes what a fool believes and you played something you know um in a it was a half diminished uh, thing it was, it was, i think it was oh, uh, yeah like i remember
0: awesome. the lick I, re- I enjoyed that one and i'm going
1: you see that wouldn't have passed muster in in another context. Oh no!
0: Oh no! Oh no! Uh,
1: so you made my heart sore. So big deal, uh, you know. So, so you made and, my and
0: heart. And by the and by the way, I mean it's very sweet of you to say so, and I'll I'll hug you and rub baby oil all over you later. But meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, I can tell you that in other records, it it wasn't allowed. For instance, Slave to the Rhythm, I would say about 30% of what I wrote was left on the record, which is why I wrote the Banzilla arrangement, my own Banzilla arrangement of it, which you played so beautifully on, Uh, uh, you know, because I had to get some of those ideas out because the material spoke to me and said, hey, you know, you could do that. And so there, and I wanted to, so that was, that was fun. And in those days we were allowed to have some fun. So we, we did that Benzilla record and, and at the same time, you know, for instance, everybody compliments me on the Sowing the Seeds of Love arrangement that I did, that's, that's that's only about, I would say 35% of what I actually wrote. Um, You know, it, it, people, you know, the, I'm uh, my, the life of an arranger, as I've written in this book here, which you may have and you'll enjoy if you don't. Um, It's called, I'm going to plug myself, The Invisible Artist. Oh, yes, of course. And this is about arrangers in music and uh, in popular music. And the thing is that 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 is the lot of the arranger, is to constantly be uh, edited and cropped and uh, decomposed by the producer. You know, they choose what they want to keep. And that's okay. That's what it's the producers art. But nevertheless, that's why, you know, I, I prefer producing because then I can I- express the vision of how I see that record being made. I mean, with your record uh, with your the two records we did proud and 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 uh, that other one. Uh, so uh, What a fool believes, you know, everything was left in because it was cool and it did But it, you see what it didn't do is it you didn't have the feeling that it took away from your thing you know the fact that i had an idea didn't make you feel like you were uh, giving away part of your uh, credit or whatever you just thought we're making a great record together and but but some producers feel that if you have an idea it's kind of wait a minute it is that isn't my idea so i can't allow it and that happens often and i mean you know, I, I, I talk about, in this book, a very famous situation where I uh, wrote a, a beautiful 6-9 chord uh, voicing on a, t- a tune, and the producer said to me, no, 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 that's, that's not right. I want an A flat in the lead of the strings. And now this is a G major seven, six, nine, kind of fourth voicing, you know, Uh, it was, you know, (laughs) G, it was A, E, B, F sharp, that was the voicing, and he said, no, 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 I want it, I want a B flat, Uh, no, an A flat, I want an A flat in the lead of that, and I thought, that's weird, you know, and I said, well, you know, maybe there's some other, no, that's the note I want, don't tell me, I, you know, so, okay, so I, I finally had to go into the studio and tell Gavin Wright, you know, guys, we need to change that note to an A-flat. And it's, I mean, it's a completely bad, wrong note, especially in a beautiful pop ballad with a girl singer. And, 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 and I tried to save the producer the embarrassment because the artist was in the studio with her manager. <laughs> and I tried desperately but no, no I want any the producer was getting upset and offended and saying I you know don't don't counter me I'm the you know that kind of thing. So sure enough, we went into it and as soon as the note was played by the strings, I looked in the studio through the glass and and the artist and all her people were going like, what, what is that?" And immediately the phone th- saying like, Okay, change it back to that A you had. Leave it, but you yeah. know those things happen. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I, I'm, well, I mean, I've I'm, geez, uh, Richard. There's a litany of of, of things that, that you know come. It's all a bit negative, but um, uh, okay. uh, uh, I, I mean, I've I've been largely invisible about all of this, either through arranging or, you know, for instance, you know, making those choices about about, you know, I'm going to play instead of I'm going to play, you know, I mean, there's never more uh, an extreme uh, uh, difference um, uh, than that. But I mean, there was no, I wasn't acknowledged uh, 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 for that, of course, criticism of Steve Lipson. um, uh, Because I think Steve Lipson is incredibly brilliant, but it's just that the context is imposed upon the situation that, that seems occasionally a falsehood. Actually, it, it was something that Steve um, also wrote recently uh, during the pandemic and he was going, he was listening to Sly and the Family Stone and he, and, and, he, and he expressed the opinion that he didn't know how it was done and, you know, it wouldn't be possible in the Pro Tools era. <laughs> and um, I, I was thinking to myself, well, well that is true If it's Steve's way of doing things, which was, and it's a brilliant way of doing things, and I was a beneficiary of his brilliant mind, you know, eliminating, chopping off what he considered to be the deadwood, you know, they just get to, you know, make it clear, you know, these things... Clear that thing. Not bass, not go too low. Really, you know, and very brilliantly chamfered and trying things, and but keeping it really clear. Actually, what's lying the family stone is you know a bunch of guys knocking stuff through. They're making a an incredible racket. Yeah. But you. But it's but it's it, it, it probably unwise to go in and, and say um can we can we tidy up the the racket that amplifiers making that's sitting there in the corner going yeah. Yeah, or the from the yeah. Leslie, yeah. so all those things would be eradicated as well as why are you playing that thing? Then? Yeah, but the thing is, I can't hear it when the band's playing, I can't hear it, so don't play it because I can't hear it. And uh, to, to don't play it, it's just, it just seems like I can't focus on what that thing is, so don't play that thing. Yeah. And um, and so that thing goes, and then the noise goes. And it all gets recorded in Pro Tools, and of course he is right. It's not possible to do fly, fly in the family stone or fly in the Stanley stone um, under those circumstances. That, but that's a that's a way of.
0: Well, isn't that isn't that a kind of a crazy thing to say? I mean, it's like saying a donkey can't recite Shakespeare. Therefore, the donkey is is irrelevant. That's silly. The donkey ha- is it ha- is beautiful at being a donkey. But if your world can only uh, have room for what is uh, possible in Pro Tools, uh, then then that's a pretty small world, I think.
1: Well, I I, I have a tendency to agree. I, I agree with you there, but um, but in you know now to defend Steve Lipson's, um, um attitude in this regard, yeah, because I think he's incredible and, what I'm, and he's done so many great things. Oh, absolutely. Um, so most recently, he's he's the mixed. Um, Billy Eilish, uh, the um, the Bond theme, and it's Bond theme, yes, wonderful, and um, it, it's it's. By that method, uh, you know, which I know Steve to deploy, then the numbers don't lie. So, so there's a there's a numerical supremacy to the fact that um, he's a big numbers. And mm-hmm. what are we talking about, Peter Cox? What a fool believes, you know, record sales of a hundred thousand versus millions? Who knows? So the numbers don't lie in that regard. But what I'm yeah. but what I'm expressing to you, Richard, about my my admiration for you, and this is what I believe i I bring to the the, the parties is nothing nothing like this kind of uh, prejudice whatever the whatever that gets you through the night that then you know that 's the thing understood, but yes. up until the point uh, that there's absolutely no way forward in this regard, what I appreciate about you and what I think I appreciate about me is hard though it is I will want to be whoever it is I'm going to be under the circumstances and the flights of imagination, I won't necessarily uh, clamp down on them just just because it's unlikely to, to you know, to fit the context, because yeah. how am I supposed to know that? Now, that's not the same as going into a a, a, a session that requires me just to play... Of course, of course, I'm not going to go. So yeah. I'm not, of course, I'm not necessarily going to go and do that because I'll be dependent, of course, but I will want to be whoever it is I'm going to be. Yes. In circumstances and the thing, the thing you say about the invisible arranger. And I haven't read the book, Richard, uh, uh, but I've noticed, um, you know, I watch YouTube things of the great session guitar players who give the thing that they think the artist wants. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 is it Tim Pierce, the, you know, when he went in to do the Adele session, he had his wah-wah pedal and she went, no, nah, I hate wah-wah. But he gives what he thinks they want. And I think that's, inc- that's an incredible talent in itself. So I'm willing to, I have been in the, in the past as a session player, I haven't been a session player for a long time, Been willing to, uh, of course, to do that, to try philosophy of mind, to interpret whatever they're saying, uh, you know, which is often not particularly musical, yeah. Interpret that, and and then uh, play the the right thing. Yeah. But yes. And I talk about this an eighth note as representing the universe. Okay. Uh, and and uh, see if you agree or not with this. Uh, is so Keith Richards gets to do what he considers to be the you know the very essence of his being, like I would uh, you know cite Herbie Hancock or Joe Zawinul, yes. and um uh, and it's Chuck Berry. So they're going through, and it's clear there's a there's a bit of there's a bit of a problem. Yes, yeah. through all the way through, there's always a bit of a problem, you know, yeah. about creation and this that and the other. But it came to the last the production rehearsal, and this is from memory, but I remember the moment, and I I I thought it was so cringeworthy. What was it, Johnny B. Good? Right. Yes. So it goes. you're hired Chuck, Chuck Berry's going no no man no I ain't that. and and Keith Richards going I don't what no no let's do it again do it again stop all comes to a crashing halt no that's not it and so eventually do you remember this keith richards who's terribly frustrated with this says to chuck berry you play it So Chuck Berry goes, And he's going, that's it. And and Keith Richards is going, that's just the same, man. That's just the same. It's the same thing. And Chuck Berry's going, no, it's not the same thing. (laughs) He meant a whole universe different. Now, none of the two of them had had the the linguistic referent in mind. Yes. Which one? Keith Richards was playing on the downbeat of the following bar, starting not bent, then going to bent. Yeah. Chuck Chuck was was starting starting on a bend Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 <laughs> they never got it. They never got it the way they wanted. And I don't think from memory. And I was I was saying to Emma, my wife, I was going that where an eighth note is the universe, where all all communication it, it breaks down. It's at an eighth note. Is that everything was swept away? The goodness of the project, yeah. the goodness of the playing, the beauty of the people involved.
0: Exactly. The yes. Radio, dum-dum, radio, always oh, at Richard Niles. No. Radio Richard, radio, radio Richard. Radio Richard! Yeah.